Welcome to BAM. Who am I? Today, I'm really pleased that we have a young lady with us who we've known many years, and she is one of our members. So, over to you, Abby. I'm 26 years old. I was born on the 6th of November 97. I have bilateral and ophthalmia, and which also means that I have other conditions such as hearing deficit in my right ear and joint hypermobility disorder. I'm a radio presenter working for my local station, which is called Sheppy FM. And I also have a Braille qualification, which I gained after volunteering as a teaching assistant for a young blind child in my previous primary school. I did this after graduating from college. Brilliant. Well, Abby. Yeah. What can you tell me about your earliest memories? is to do with singing because I love singing and I was coming home from nursery I think I was only three and I remember I was in the back of the car with my cousin's friend Ben half asleep singing believe it or not Peggy Sue by Buddy Holly <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that a favourite song? One of my favourites yeah courtesy of my granddad. I've got like a really kind of wide and eclectic taste in oh music my because God. of my granddad. Yeah, but that's good though, isn't it? So that that helps me with radio presenting as well. Wow. So that that was a, a memory that you you can recall about singing. And uh, what what else is there? Anything else that you remember that's really significant? Uh, I remember some of my days in nursery because I went to Dalton House Nursery and I went to Jay's Nursery. Um, Jay's nursery, my mum had to support me because they didn't have the support at the time there. Um, but I remember sort of just generally playing in nursery. Jay's nursery used to have like a toy corner that we used to go to and things like that. So I don't remember anything specific, but I do remember being at nursery. And I also remember I started primary school a year early. Oh, wow. I ended up doing two years in reception. And how, so, how, how, did, how did that go? How did reception go? Loved it. Um, to be honest, mainstream schools were, I was, they, all the students kind of wanted to be friends with me. They wanted to help me. Um, my first year of primary school, I kept being invited to parties. I was constantly at birthday parties, constantly being invited to people's houses and things like that. Mm -hmm. and the the children were always really good with me in primary school all the way through primary school I used to have um, we used to have a buddy system where one of the students would take me to lunch each day um, certain students would look after me in the playground at break times things like that wow so, so really you, like they totally included you in everything and everybody sort of helped you didn't they? would that be correct yeah yeah, I went to um, Recalva Primary School in Herne Bay, 
and they are really really good with inclusion with not just blindness but any any conditions mm -hmm. they're really really good at including anyone with special needs wow you would be integrated rather than being segregated right well that's that that's a very positive thing isn't it yeah especially when you're somebody who has a disability like you know like yourself with the blindness so when when you when you finish there where did you go for your next adventure in education uh so first i went to secondary school in um canterbury at archbishops up until halfway through year nine and then i spent two years at um new college worcester which is a, a residential school for the blind mm -hmm. so i went there uh, to sort of gain new skills and things and then after that I went on to do college for three years I would say college was a more positive experience for me right um, I enjoyed college a lot more oh, which college was that? Uh, Dalton oh at Dalton and that's could you explain where Dalton House is? Um, so it was originally in Seven Oaks. yeah but that one that one closed down, so where I went to was in Bromley, and what they did was, for your studies and like your courses and everything, you went to uh, Bromley College, so you was in mainstream college for your studies, and then you went back to rented houses yeah. with staff who would then teach you life skills, so like in the evenings, we were cooking the dinner, obviously under supervision. Yeah. But it actually got to the point where I invited my sister and her partner around for a chicken curry, cooked all by my like by me. I did wow. it completely on my own. And were they okay? Did they enjoy it? Yeah. So you got good feedback on your chicken. I'm going to remember that chicken curry. Yeah. Chicken curry. See, there you go. Well, what they used to do, we had. Um, I don't know if you've heard of an active fry. I have. We have one of we had one of them at Dalton, and they were the ones who introduced me to it. And I was cooking. All of us, we were cooking like um, chili con carne. We were doing. I even learned to do cannelloni. Wow! Which is like a very complicated Italian. Oh, I'm sure dish it is. In, involving trying to get uh, mint and bolognese sauce into. Pasta tubes, which was rather messy. Oh, I can imagine. Until we got used to it. I think the first time I tried doing it, I was using a piping bag. Right. And me and my staff member who was with me got absolutely covered. Because it probably went here, there and everywhere. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. so you had, you, had a lot of, you had a lot of positivity at Dalton as well. Yeah. Which sort of, it helps you... I would imagine, in your life skills. Yes, they they did teach me, they taught me a lot. Right. They did teach me, and when we stayed there weekends as well, we did weekend activities which involved like bowling, cinema, stuff like that. Wow. But we were in charge of organising what activities we wanted to do. Ah, oh, so, so you... So like one time I actually organised a trip, like a day trip to Chesington, for all of us, but it was me who organised it. I organised for us to go and see. Have you heard of Wicked? Wicked, no. The show Wicked. Oh yeah, the show Wicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, we went to we went to see Wicked in the theatre using Vocalize. Yeah, because Vocalize for people that don't know provide audio description for theatre, museums, um, walks, etc. Don't they? It's amazing. Yeah. I think my favourite because they do the touch tours, and my favourite touch tours got to be the one for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Do you know now, what? That was amazing. I agree with you there. We took Toby, and the fact that the cast came out. And you got to meet the cast, and the touch to her was incredible. Incredible. You, I, I 100% agree with you on that. 100%. I would quite happily go again. I would go to that show again. It was tiring because we did it where you saw the two shows in one day. Oh, wow. So, wow. yeah, so we had the... You do the um, part one in the afternoon, break for about two and a half hours to get dinner and everything and then part two is in the evening it's exhausting but it's worth just, it just make sure you're not doing anything the next morning <laughs> <laughs> just make sure that you keep the next day free so yeah. you can just <clears throat> sleep i know exactly it's worth it. i know exactly what you mean it was a very long day to see two shows so 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 you you organize those things so when you finished with uh, Dalton House, where, where, what path did you take then? So, I moved back home with my parents permanently after that. Yeah. And they're still stuck with me now. Never mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I moved back home permanently to live with my parents. But I, um, I started off, whilst I was at college in my last year, I got in touch with Reculver and mm -hmm. asked if they had any other blind students there at that time and if I could volunteer teaching Braille because they taught me. Yeah. They obviously knew that I knew what I was talking about because I didn't have any qualifications at the time so I couldn't just go to any school because I had no proof, if that makes sense. Like no, I had no, no I... proof that I knew what I was doing. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did you feel that it was you felt like you really needed to give back and use your experience to help others. Yes. And I've never been given that opportunity. Like, I hadn't been given that opportunity before because I was always in education. And I was, I was only... I graduated in July 2017. Yeah. And I was only 19. So I was quite young. Um, and I wanted to... I felt that I'd been given, especially Reculver, had done so much for me over the years that I felt I wanted to give something back to the school that looked after me as a child. See, that's... Because they, they had me from the age of four, because I did reception twice. Mm -hmm. They actually looked after... They basically brought me up since the age of four. Wow. So, they... so really, you by, by going there and doing that, you're not only doing something for yourself, but more importantly, you're doing something for other people. Yeah, and I felt like they taught me how to read Braille, um, how to read and write Braille in grades one and two fluently. I felt that I could use what they taught me to help them teach others. And I got in touch with them and... They did have a young, um, a young girl called Hallie there, and they 
very readily offered me an interview to go there and sort of speak to them about DBS checks and stuff like that. And yes, they accepted me. That's brilliant. I've worked there for a year. And in that time, I got in touch with the RNIB, who, in case anyone is interested later on in life or whatever, they do do a Braille qualification that you can get. So you can do an exam in UEB Braille and actually get a qualification. You get a certificate and everything, so you can take it to, like, you've got physical proof, like, written proof of it. And what they do is they give you the certificate in print and in Braille, so you can access it as well. And, yeah, I went, I went on to actually become qualified in Braille, so that if any other schools needed help or anyone needed help, I would have physical proof. That's brilliant. That I knew how to, so, yeah, I went on to do that. So I now have a qualification in Braille that I can move forward with if needed. That's really good, Abby. That's really good. So really what you've done is you've turned a... <coughs> I'm just trying to think of the word to explain it. But you, you, you've brought together the skill of learning Braille as a young person to be able to now help others with learning Braille because of because of what you've done yourself do, do you feel proud of doing that yes yeah and you should you should a hundred percent because that's such a brilliant achievement so when so once you, you worked at recolver what, what what's what was your social life like at that time obviously being a person without sight what was what was your social life like um i'm gonna be completely honest not great right um because where I'd spent the best part of five years basically only living at home partially, I had no friends back here. Oh. Um, so for a, for a while, I mean, I had um, a guide communicator, which is guide communicator services provided by the KAB. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, can you explain who KAB is for me? Uh, they are the Kent Association for Blind People. They provide mobility training. Uh, they provide all different services. Like I said, the guide communicator service is someone who comes and picks you up. They take you out, so they help you. They can help you do shopping. They can help you meet people. And I've um, got a lady called Sharon, and I'm funded by. KCC 10 hours a week right and to be honest Barry since having the service I'm now financially independent which wow. I never was can you lend I, me a five um, can you lend me a fiver yeah sure thank you very much <laughs> no problem <laughs> but yeah my mum always used to it used to be oh mum can you go to the cash point while I'm at school can you mm. draw money out for me no not anymore in fact I think I think a lot of the time, I I know my dad certainly doesn't know what goes on with my accounts. <laughs> I get my mum to check things, but my dad really hasn't got a clue. Abby, no idea. Abby, keep it that way. Yes. <laughs> now, Definitely. Something, something else I wanted to ask you about was, obviously, you, you've got prosthetic eyes, being bilateral yeah. and ophthalmic. Now, how, how has all the medical treatment gone over the years 
Because it can be very traumatic, can't it? It can be. Yeah. As a child, for me, it kind of was because, unfortunately, my the openings of my eyelids are very, very narrow. Right. So there's, there's more room, actually, behind the socket than there is in the opening. So... I, I need a bigger eye to go in the socket to fill it. But through a smaller through a smaller yeah, opening. But the eye is actually too big oh. to go in. So and they used to they used to fit them like new prosthetics for me when I was little whilst I was awake. Mm-hmm. For many many years they did this, and for many many years, I think the entirety of Moorfields actually knew I was in the building. <laughs> did, because, does that mean did you did you scream just a little bit? Uh, to the point where I think I think I actually had other doctors coming in asking what was going on. So, so how has that uh, progressed now? I now get put to sleep. Oh. Um, the doctor, who, the surgeon, Peter, who is sort of used to, he's been sort of looking after me for years, and yeah. eventually he turned around to mum and just went, we can't keep doing this. Mm. She needs to go to sleep because... There's room behind the socket now that we need to fill. We now need to make the eyes a lot bigger and they're not going to go in all the time she knows about it. So they almost, it sounds awful, but they have to put me to sleep so that they can force it in. Right. It sounds awful, but yeah, they have to put me to sleep so that they can, you know, kind of mess about with it as much as possible and I don't know anything. Yeah. In, in relation to having prosthetic eyes, do, do you feel that going through what you go through is, is, a, is a positive step? Definitely, because, I mean, you know, having, having the prosthetic eyes in obviously still helps... It still helps the like your face form properly mm-hmm. because you've got you've got some form of eyes in. It's just obviously for me it's it's more I have a, I have more appointments if that makes sense because yeah. most people are supposed to just go up there have it done whatever mm. but because I have to have the surgery as well. It's quite a protracted event, isn't it? Yeah, they. They can't just do it. You have to mm. go into clinic, be seen, have pre-op assessments. So we're up there probably one, like, say, two appointments turns into about three or four. Yeah. Abby, I'd like to ask you, what advice would you give to parents with a new child who obviously is it's a big decision to make, does your child have prosthetic eyes or not? What advice would you give them? So there is a 
Um, there's a positive, like there is a there's a there physical is a aspect. Why, yeah, there is a physical aspect to to having them in. Yeah, no, there is. I know it's a, but it's down each. It's down to each individual group of parents, isn't it, yeah. to make that decision? It's a very hard decision. Because I did actually ask my parents why. Mm -hmm. Because I was told before, I assumed that everyone with BA had prosthetic eyes in. Yeah. And I was told that actually, no, not everyone does. So I actually did ask my parents why. Yeah. Why, you know, why, mm. why did you do it? And they just said because we was more concerned about whether whether your facial features would form properly yeah without the eyes in would the muscles form correctly mm. yeah i know exactly i know exactly what you mean we we had the same discussions regarding toby so now abby yeah so medical treatment just continues for life doesn't it it's a, it's a continuous thing yes now what are you doing now what are you um, doing? Okay, so I'm actually I'm actually a radio presenter. I work um, for my local community station, Sheffield FM. I've actually been there for six years. Wow! And what sort of show do you do? So I've I've had a few different shows. I now work Friday afternoons, so I only do one a week. Um. But I started off at Thursday morning, uh, no, Thursday afternoons I started off at. Yeah. Then moved to Wednesday afternoons, then Friday mornings, and now Friday afternoons. So I've I've sort of moved around a little bit. Um, but I actually did get, in my first year there, so I started in December 2017, and in, and in September 2018... I was nominated for new for newcomer of the year award. Wow! So I newcomer had to go to Sheffield. Yeah. To an award ceremony where your uh, five people, five nominees are shortlisted. Yeah. But only three get an award, so two of you don't. I was lucky enough to be one of the three that did get newcomer of the year, and I got the silver. Brilliant! Well done. So yes, and that was within 10 months of being there. So that Fantastic. was a bit of a dream, to be honest. Fantastic. That's a, that is such an achievement, isn't it? Yes, so yeah. we've now got the certificate for that. Yeah. And, and I've um, gone on to improving since. Brilliant. Well, I'll tell you what, Abby, you're an inspiration to people. Do you know that? You really are, really? because what's nice is, is that, you know, you've been through mainstream education. Yeah? Yeah. You've been through all what children and young people and young adults have to go through the medical side of bilateral anophthalmia. And you're also a DJ. So really, maybe you should do the podcast and I'll just sit there and you you just do it. Because <laughs> you're, you're more skilled than me. I'm just an amateur. So, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. that's not true. Now, but listen... Abby, is is there anything else that you would like to say in relation to being somebody who has bilateral anophthalmia and the fact that you're blind? Is there any message you'd like to put out there to our families and also everybody who will listen to this podcast? I think the biggest thing is if 
you know, if your child is born with bilateral anoxemia, I think the biggest thing I can say is, I know it's daunting, of course I do, my parents were, they really didn't know what to do, and they had a lot of, they had to have a lot of support knowing how to sort of stimulate a blind baby and things like that, but I think the biggest thing I can say to all of you is, please, please, don't panic. I know it's daunting, and I know your initial thing is going to be, my child's going to miss out. No, they're not. They're absolutely not going to miss out. Yes, things are going to be, things are going to be a bit harder. We're going to have to be stimulated in different ways. Um, for us to sort of get about in the world, a lot of adaptations need to be made. Of course they do. It's not a walk in the park. Blindness is not a walk in the park. I'm not going to tell you it is, because I would, you know, I would be lying. It's not a walk in the park, but it's not impossible. The sky is the limit. Nothing is impossible. It's it's harder, yes, but not impossible. Please, please do not think that your child is going to miss out, because I can promise you, we don't. We really don't miss out. I have done lots of things including ice skating and roller skating so could you imagine your blind child doing that at, that, at this moment and Abby, no probably not but Ab they can do it and Abby have you driven a car I have yes <laughs> twice <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you panic over that thought yeah yeah I think we'll leave it on that one <laughs> we'll leave it on that one but I'll tell you what you've put a little tear in my eye with that oh bless you I mean, my, my parents were... My mum cried when I was born. I actually asked her. When I was born, she cried. And she just said, she's going to miss out on so much. And they've realised I haven't. Yeah. Yes, I need extra help and things because, as well as blindness, I have other physical disabilities that I also have to contend with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but honestly, they're not going to miss out. Abby, thank yeah. you. That was brilliant. Thank you very, very much. I really, really enjoyed talking to you today. And could I ask one thing? Yeah. If people on our group, BAM, wanted advice, can they contact you? Yes, Good. absolutely. And they can do that through our Facebook page, can't they? Yes. Brilliant. Well, listen, I'm Abby. I'm happy to answer any questions. If there's anything anyone needs to know, I'm more than happy to help. Brilliant. Well, listen, thank you so much, and you have a lovely weekend. And if anybody is interested in finding out more about bilateral anophthalmia, please visit our website, which is at www.bam.org.uk, or if you're on Facebook and you have a child who's been born with bilateral anophthalmia, please join us. We're a fantastic group of parents who are all there to do one thing, which is to support each other. So listen, Abby, thanks again, and that was brilliant. That's all I can say. I'm just going to get a tissue and wipe the tear out of my eye. <laughs>